Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, yeah. 
Amen. Praise Jesus. So good to see everybody tuned in live today from South Korea, from Jamaica, and from Nigeria. People are tuned in live. And I do welcome our sister that's listening live in Nigeria. It's been listening for probably a month or more now, and she is seeking to be baptized soon. So we'll continue to pray for her and, and uh, <clears throat> lift her up in the Lord and uh, see her be baptized soon, hopefully, according to God's will, and have more fellowship with her and all of us, these brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. Remember, Sister Kiki in Australia, uh, her long-suffering with her health problems with severe stiffness and arthritis and uh, finances and her sufferings. Remember, Sister Kiki... Also, Brother Mignus, his wife Amanda in Zimbabwe, Brother Seth in Ethiopia, and the Algerian congregations, the pastors and deacons, and brothers and sisters in Algeria, two congregations there. Please remember the Algerian congregations. Praise Jesus. We're here again today outside. Uh, Beautiful trees, beautiful green grass, beautiful scenery up here on this mountain uh, under this uh, picnic pavilion. And so sometimes you might hear uh, some cars or motorcycles or people, uh, birds, whatnot. You might hear some distraction every now and then. So that is what you might be hearing in the background. Uh, but otherwise, it's pretty peaceful and nice breeze blowing, nice beautiful warm day. Honeybees uh, uh, sucking up the uh, clover. I look down on the field, on the grass down there, honeybees making their clover honey. So, nice to see God saving the shade of this pavilion. Praise God. It's a wonderful seventh day of the week. Praise Jesus. Let's go in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for our brothers and sisters around the world that are tuning in, tuning in at the same time to listen to your word, to worship together, and to be family, to be brothers and sisters. We do lift up to you all of the congregations around the world and our brothers and our sisters, also Brother Jonathan in prison. We lift him up to you, Lord, and Kiki, and AJ, Kareem and Fiona, and also BJ in India, and also uh, Andrew in South Africa, and uh, Jabber, whatever nation that he is in, and other brothers and sisters around the world. We lift him up to you, Lord. You know every one of them their needs and their situations. You know them, you see them, you hear them, and I know that you will not neglect them. We lift them up in prayer, Lord, for all their needs. Thank you, Lord, for the spiritual food that we're about to receive right now. We ask you, Lord, to help us to understand what this instruction is about. Help us to be edified, increased in knowledge, information, and increased in wisdom, understanding, and comprehension. 
help our eyes to be more open today at the end of the sermon than what they were before. Deliver us, Lord, we pray. Please deliver us from any deception that we may be under. Anything that we are under a deception of, please deliver us and set us free from that darkness. Please show us our sins. Please show us our transgressions. Correct us and realign us, Lord, in any way that we need to be realigned. We thank you, Lord, for the seventh day, for the breath of life, for your mercy and your grace upon us. We commit this service to your Father. Pray that you be glorified and your people edified. It is in your hands, Lord. The service is yours. They speak and move among us now. We ask for your presence. We ask for your leadership, your guidance in this in this teaching today. So be it in Jesus' name. Let's turn to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, that's the last book of the book of law, chapter 14, page 208, reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible. Page number might be just a page or two different in your copies, depending on when you ordered your Bible. Page 208, Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 28. Deuteronomy 14, verse 28. God willing, we'll read verse 28 and verse 29. You see here in the footnote that it is about the third tithe. And that's not really the sermon message, third tithe. It's not what we're going to preach today. But what we're going to preach is related to this. Verse 28 says, after three years, talking about every three years of a seven-year cycle, beginning with the date of your baptism. Every three years of that seven-year cycle, you would have to read other verses to get that full explanation. But it says here, every three years, you should bring out all of your tithes of your fruits in that year, you should lay it up in your cities, and the Levite, that is the ministers, shall come, because he has no part or lot with you, and the stranger, and the orphan, and the widow, which is in your cities, and they shall eat and be filled, that Jesus your Theos may bless you in all the works which you shall do. Amen. Now, the main point I'm going to make out of this verse is that the Levites, the ministers, the priests of the Lord, they are considered among the needy, such as among the orphans and the widows. Think about that. The third tithe has the purpose of taking care of the poor and needy, orphans, the fatherless, the widows, those that have been abandoned by men that did not want to seek their responsibility, did not want to fulfill their responsibility, or men that died, killed in war, died of cancer, died of heart attack, died of COVID, whatever the situation may be, either divorce, abandonment, or death, the man is absent. And therefore, the children and the women 
or left behind without a male caretaker. The third tide is for the purpose of taking care of them. Who has no male caretaker to bring home the bacon, to bring home the bacon, to bring home the weekly paycheck. But the Levites, the ministers of the Lord, they are counted among those to be helped with the third tide. That's very interesting, isn't it? And it tells you why. It tells you why. Because the Levite, the tribe of Levite, they did not have a portion or inheritance of the land or any such thing. They did not have, there was the only tribe of all the tribes of Israel that were not given a portion of land. Everybody else was given a portion of land. So the tribe of the Jews would have a neighborhood of nothing but Jews. Isn't that interesting? And the tribe of the, of the uh, Ephron, Ephronites, the British, they would have a whole tribe of nothing but the British. And then the tribe of Manasseh would have a, a community, a neighborhood, a nation of nothing but the Americans. And then they had uh, a tribe of Reuben, which is northern France, and Chabadan, which is Denmark, and so on. Each nation has their own territory, amen, of their own people. The Levites were not given a nation to their own or a portion of land to their own or a neighborhood or a city of their own. They had no land. They had no property. They couldn't sell their property. They couldn't sell their property because they and they did not inherit property. So they're considered poor and needy. They are the homeless. They are the ones without land. They are the ones without jobs other than the work of the Lord. Amen. Now, your first tithe out of every year, every year you give your first tithe, and that's 10% of your increase. So if you find a $20 bill on the ground, that's an increase. You would give a tithe of that $20 bill. If you have a job, after you pay your taxes on that check, they take the taxes, government automatically takes the taxes out of that check. You bring home what's left, that's your increase. You pay a 10% on the increase of what's coming into your house. Whether you borrow it, find it, earn it, or grow it, any increase that comes into your home, you give a 10% of it every year. That 10%, your first tithe, goes to God. That can be used for the work of the ministry, the Levite, the ministers, the poor, the orphans, the widows, printing Bibles, advertising the ministry, making videos, distributing Bibles, feeding the poor, and the list goes on. Uh, the rent and electric for the ministry, uh, the internet for the ministry, the food for the pastor, many other things. Your second tithe, it's also paid every year, 
but you take a tithe instead of sending it to the ministry, you keep it for yourself. That's a pretty good deal. Amen? You take a tithe, you keep it for yourself. And you save it up all year long, 10%, and then use that for transportation to get to services every week, to get to the services for the holy days, to buy uh, a camping campsite, tent and supplies for camping for the Feast of Tabernacles, for your pilgrimage for Pentecost and your pilgrimage for unleavened bread Passover season, for all your food and shelter and transportation needs to keep all the holy days. You spend it on yourself. It is God's way, the second tide, is God's way of providing for your needs to be able to keep his holy days. It's a wonderful gift. The second tide is a wonderful gift from God so that you have no excuse to say, I can't afford to do it. No excuse, amen. And then, on the third year after your baptism, you would give a third tithe. And that third tithe is paid to the church and to the ministry, just like your first tithe is. But that third tithe is more specific to what it is used for. It is used for the orphans, the widows, and the ministers of the gospel since the ministers of the gospel those that are four-time the four-time pastors apostles and prophets evangelists they should not be working a outside job most people would disagree with that most people think that a pastor should have a four-time job to support himself and not rely on the church that's bullcrap because a four-time pastor has no time for anything except for the work of God. Amen. A four-time pastor is going to be answering emails, phone calls, text messages, letters, and other communications from people of his district, of his congregation, or worldwide in my case. Same thing with prophet or apostle or evangelist, he's going to have a area, a region that he is responsible for, including weddings, funerals, uh, weekly sermons, teachings, the website, uh, the AO Bible translation, uh, counseling with people. He's not going to have time to be working a normal job out there in the world. It would be a great distraction great distraction and hindrance to a four-time pastor. A four-time pastor should be serving the Lord 24-7. Of course, he's, he's okay to take breaks and rest and, and relax, but he should, he should not be working a four-time job in the world. Therefore, he depends on that additional third tithe. Uh, a lot of the first tithe gets eaten up with other things like distributing the Bibles around the world, uh, literature, flyers, helping other people, whatever, all the expenses of the ministry. The third tithe 
provides additional revenue, additional financial health and support for that minister as well as for the orphans and widows. Because if you try to run a ministry only on 10%, and most people don't give 10%, most people don't give anything, so to, when you try to run a ministry on 10% that's only coming from only one, two, three, or four people, and that's it, and that's all, you can't do it. You cannot do it. You cannot run a ministry on 10% of the income of only one to four people. So God knows that. And so then you're going to have to depend on that third tithe every third year. And some people get baptized one year, and another person gets baptized another year, and other people get baptized another year. So really, once you get enough people baptized, the third year will be every year for somebody, you know. So Robert's third year might be a certain year, and then Kareem's third year, and then somebody else's third year, AJ's third year. So sooner or later, every year, the orphans, the widows, and the Levites, they can depend on a third tithe coming in every year from somebody, from somebody to help additionally to conquer the suffering. Now, I'm applying this point, this principle, to myself and other ministers, including AJ. I do consider him a minister of the gospel, including Brother Meekness. I do consider him a minister of the gospel. Pastor Ehud, Pastor Moses, and there's at least two deacons as well in Nigeria, and there'll probably be more and more as we go along. And then there's uh, uh, other people that are in need as well. And a lot of people would say, that I am wrong to trying to apply a verse about Levites and try to apply it to a modern day minister because the Levite priesthood was done away with under the new covenant. And even though I would agree that the Levite priesthood was done away, I absolutely believe that absolutely we can and we should apply this verse to modern-day true ministers of the true church, and I'll tell you why. As I get a sip of lemonade, nice cold lemonade. So, we follow the spirit of the law, the spiritual principles. What is the spiritual reason that that law was made to begin with. Why was that law ever given? Why? And that is the spirit of love, amen, to help people in need. Did the blood of Christ do away with love? Did the blood of Christ and the new covenant do away with helping people in need? No. And therefore, it doesn't matter if the Levites were done away with. You still have ministers of the gospel and orphans and widows 
that do depend on your first and your third tithe. Absolutely. So absolutely we should apply this to modern day ministries because the spirit of the law is still in effect. Amen. The spirit of love, helping one another, supporting one another. Amen. Now, my greater point, because like I said, the sermon today is not about the third time. My greater point is this, that the true leaders of the true church worldwide, they also should be leading in persecution and suffering. I'll say that again. The leaders of the true church should also lead in persecution and suffering. Not just in encouragement, not just in teaching and prophecy and knowledge and commandments and grace and mercy and salvation. Not only all of those things, but also the true ministers, the true leaders of the true church should be also leading in suffering and persecution. In other words, you should never follow a pastor or a church whose leader, a pastor, who does not suffer, if he's too comfortable, if he's too rich. Amen. Such as your TV evangelists and most of your famous uh, preachers that have the best-selling books, the New York bestsellers, Joe Osteen, Joyce Myers, Benny Hinn, Rick Warren, and a million others, and uh, Joshua, somebody over in Africa, a bunch of, bunch of them over in Africa. There are millionaires, millionaire, millionaire. In fact, the largest number of millionaire preachers are from Africa, not America, not America. Although you've got plenty of millionaire preachers from America also. But the larger number of millionaire preachers are in Africa. Amen. And you should never follow a preacher that does not suffer. Amen. You should never follow a preacher that can afford his own airplane. Amen. And, and has multiple airplanes and four, five, six cars and two, three, four houses. Never follow such a wolf in sheep's clothing. Amen. The two ministers of the Lord are going to be suffering and greatly persecuted because, because, they have rejected having a job. Amen. They have rejected having a job because their job is serving you. That's their job. Amen. They have neglected serving you, and it depends on the level of ministry because this ain't going to be true for some of the deacons. The deacons, they can still work a job 
because they're, they are servants to the pastor. They don't really give a lot of sermons, and they're not as busy uh, in the ministry, so the deacons can still have a job. But when you get to uh, the pastor, his only job should be uh, serving you, serving the Lord. Amen. And so we have no inheritance. We have no uh, big ownership property. Uh, we are the ones that was not given a, a lot of uh, physical property in this world. Let's go over to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. Verse 18. Matthew 8, verse 18, and we're going to read down through verse 22. Matthew 8, verse 18. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then the scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have hoes, hoes in the ground, and the birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Mankind has nowhere to lay his head. Interesting. Amen. Jesus could have had all the mansions that he wanted. Amen? Jesus could have had giant mansions and a great paying job and all the work that he could find. I'm sure that he was very skilled as a carpenter, as a workman of wood, well-trained, and a hard worker. I'm sure that he had done work earlier in his life before he began his main ministry at the age of around 30, 31, 33, whatever it was. But he chose to quit that job and go full-time in the ministry. Amen. Full-time in the ministry. And he did not have a house to lay his head in as he traveled as he evangelized. Amen. It seems like he seems like he did not even have the money for a motel. Doesn't it seem like that? Amen. Or there was no motels. There was motels, but maybe there wasn't motels as scattered as much. You didn't have one on every street corner like you do now. But he traveled a lot. On foot, he traveled a lot by boat, and it seems like he mostly chose to travel in just very small boats, not a cruise ship. Amen. I don't, I don't read no words where Jesus went on a cruise. Amen. I don't read, I don't read any words where he went on, went on a on a Carnival Caribbean cruise and played shuffleboard on the deck. <laughs> But he took the small boats, just the little tiny boats. 
Amen. For the most part, and a lot of on foot, and probably some camel and horses and stuff like that. I believe he was pretty old school, and I believe he could have had many riches and always a place to stay if he had chosen to. But he was a suffering servant, as the book of Isaiah says. He was a suffering servant. The leaders of the church should be suffering just as much and even more so than the lay members of the church. Amen. They should lead in suffering and persecution. Then in verse 21, it says, Another of the disciples said to him, Master, permit me first to go and bury my dad. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and allow the spiritually dead to bury their own dead. He didn't say that word spiritually. We have to add it to help people understand. He wasn't saying let the zombies bury the zombies. He wasn't saying let the zombies bury the dead. He was talking about the spiritual dead, the lost people. This man probably had brothers because most people among the Jews in that day and time had huge families. And he probably had brothers or at least uncles that could have buried his dad. He was hurting the physical family first. And really, you should not put your physical family first. You should not. You should put God, the gospel, and the spiritual family first. Amen. I've seen many times in this ministry, I've had to kick people out of this ministry, multiple people over the years, for putting their physical families first before God such as they didn't want to join us in Bible study or they didn't want to join us in a live chat or worship services or whatever the case may be because their children had homework to do. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. The homework can be done before or after the Bible study or group activity of the church. Amen. And at this particular time in history, the schooling and the homework and getting a good grade is not going to help anyone. It just simply is not going to help them. Uh, people need to forget about uh, getting a good education and having a career before, because the great tribulation is at the door. We need to put God first and the gospel and our spiritual family first. And Jesus did that. He led in suffering, even put the spiritual family first when he said to the disciples, who is my mother? Who is my brother? But he that, keep, that doeth the will of my Father in heaven, he is my mother or my brother. Amen. He is my spiritual family, is what he was saying. Amen. 
Now, instead of traveling and having no place to lay his head, he could have been living with mommy. He could have been living in her basement. He could have been living with mommy or somebody else, depending on grandma. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have been depending on someone else if he was out of work at the time. Amen? But, no, no. He was independent. Amen. He was an independent man. Amen. Praise the Lord. He was an independent man. Amen. Praise the Lord. He was an alpha dude. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go to the next verse. Not verse, but Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 6. God willing, we'll read verse 6 down through verse 26. Matthew 10, verse 6. Matthew 10, verse 6. It says, But rather, Jesus said to them, But rather, go to the lost sheep of the house of Jesus. And so as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belt. Nor do you even take a bag for your journey or even two clothes for sandals or staff, for the worker is worthy of his support. In other words, he believed in the third time. Amen. He believed in the first and the second, and the third tithe, he knew that the preachers of the Lord, the leaders of the church, were supposed to be supported by the first and the third tithe. Amen. So he said, don't take no money. Don't take extra clothing. Don't take anything for your evangelism journey. Because people are supposed to support you're worthy of the people's support. And now this is what he was teaching his disciples. Amen. He was teaching his disciples to depend on other people to take care of them. Notice that. That's exactly what he was doing. He did not say to the disciples, make sure you have a good job and support yourself so that the church will not need to support you. That's not what he said. He said, don't take anything with you because you're worthy of being supported. Amen. Amen. Now, this was Jesus talking directly to a group of 12 men. Many times people try to apply everything in the Bible, everything Paul said, everything Jesus said, directly and primarily to ourselves, when that was not really the case. But although, although we can learn something from it for ourselves, something that will edify us, something that will educate us, all Scripture is profitable, 
for instruction and reproof and correction and so forth, edification. But we have to understand he was primarily talking to leaders of the church. Amen. There's a lot of homeless people that are not leaders and are not preachers that try to apply verses like this to their own lives and say, I don't need to work. I don't need to have a job. I just let people support me. I just be a bum. I just borrow, 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 or steal, 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 or take, 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 or beg, 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 let people support you. And to live that type of a lifestyle in that context of just being a bum, just being a user, just use people all the time, and you're not a leader of the gospel, you're not called to preach, you're not a leader of the church, but rather you're lost, and you're just using people, that's twisting scripture to try to apply such verses. Amen. Jesus was not talking to people that like to use people. Amen. He was not talking to the lazy. He was not talking to the irresponsible. He was not talking to the lost. He was talking to the leaders of the church. Amen. So he's saying to the leaders of the church and the disciples, to let people support them. And then verse 11, he said, And whatever city or village you enter, inquire, seek, and ask, Who is worthy in that town? And stay at his house until you leave that city. Again, he's like, he didn't say go and stay at a fancy hotel. But rather he said, go to people's homes. People's homes. And let them take care of you. Go to people's homes and let them give you free shelter while you preach in that town. Amen? That's very interesting because that's how we're living with Brother Gerald right now. Amen? It's very interesting. I did not think of it that way until this moment. And you know, how that he told the leaders to go to people's homes. Interesting. Amen. In verse 12, as you enter the house, give it your blessing. And if the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your peace. Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or out of that city, take the dust off your feet. That is a way of cursing that town or that house. Amen, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Galore, it will be more tolerable for homosexuals in the day of judgment than for that city. Amen. Now, I've taught this before. I'll say it again real quick because we do have new people listening. Very important to teach everything. Every little thing has to be taught when you have new people listening. It's very important. And that is, even though homosexuality is a sin, God does have mercy on sinners. Every one of us, we were sinners. We were lost. We were blind. Amen. And the Bible talks about some homosexuals having been set free. It says, such were some of you. Such were some of you. 
Bible says. But now they are set free. It says here that if you wish to compare Sodom and Galora, a town of homosexuals and other wickedness, that if you compare them with a town where the disciples had went and preached and that town did not accept the preaching of the disciples. If a town does not accept the preaching of the true ministers of the Lord, then God's judgment will be harsher, stronger, more judgmental, more condemning, more death, more suffering. For a town that does not accept the word of God than the word of God is preached in, it will be worse for them than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah, or will be for the Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. This verse proves the second resurrection gives an opportunity of redemption, salvation, in the second resurrection. Amen. In that second life, that 100 years of Isaiah 65, verse 20, the homosexuals that lived in Sodom and Galora, they will be given mercy and redemption. They will be given an opportunity for salvation in that 100 years in which the Bible promises that no one will die until they reach 100. Even the sinner will not die before they reach 100 years old in that lifetime of the second resurrection. That's Bible teaching, which is not taught taught, not taught in most of the Babylonian churches. So, now, my point again is that the leaders of the true church, they were suffering because they had to depend on the tithes and offerings of the people. They were also suffering because they were abandoning their homes. They were abandoning the luxuries of home, they were abandoning wives, children, and family. Matthew quit his job. He had a government job. Great benefits, I'm sure. He quit his job. And we know that other men would have quit their jobs as well. The one man wanted to bury his dad first. God did not allow it. If God did not allow a man to simply go bury his dad, then you know he would not have allowed, allowed somebody to said, I've got to go to work. I'll be back from work at 5 o'clock. I'll see you after that. No. If he's not going to allow a man to bury his own dad, then neither is he going to allow a preacher to say, I can't be disturbed for eight hours a day. You're going to have to wait until I get home from work, take a shower and eat supper. And then, if I have time, I'll call you back. That's not putting God first, is it? Amen? If he was not allowing a man to bury his own dad, then he's also not allowing for the true pastors and true leaders, the main leaders, the uh, church administration, to work a job in the world, a worldly, carnal, uh, vain job, wasting eight hours a day, five days a week, 
or more when they can be working on the gospel, saving souls, uh, and when the time is almost short. Amen. The time is almost out. Amen. All right, so then, verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be shrewd, meaning wise and crafty. Be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of mankind, for they will hand you over to the courts. Excuse me. And they will scourge you in their synagogues and their churches. This is saying that church people, church people, will persecute the true leaders of the church. Amen? If your pastor is not being greatly persecuted by other religious leaders, then you should not follow that pastor. Amen? I was just kicked out by the religious leaders of this town. This is why we do not have our own home right now is because our landlord, they are religious leaders of this community. And I don't know if that had anything to do with their decision, but they are religious leaders of this community and they should have had enough respect, they should have had enough respect for us being a ministry that was helping homeless and the poor and people in need, the food bank and free clothing and free Bibles, they should have respected us enough to allow us to continue to stay at the same amount of rent that we were paying, considering that we were a nonprofit ministry doing a work for the orphans and the widows and the work of the true gospel. But they did not have mercy upon us. And I do feel like it is persecution, even if any religious thing was not in their mind. I still feel it being persecution because it is a great level of disrespect. And it is not love, even though they were trying to claim they were doing it in the spirit of love, uh, thinking of our needs, how we would be better off uh, having a real home or having more resources or whatever, that we were sacrificing too much, whatever. That's our choice. And uh, they felt like we were suffering too much, that they were helping us by pushing us out. But that was my choice and God's choice if we wanted to stay there and sacrifice and suffer and do without, then that should have been what I would, should have been allowed to continue to do. Amen. Nevertheless, I accept it also as a push from the Lord to not be stagnant but to move forward as well. Amen. But it says here also, it says, Verse 18, and he will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, 
do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it's not you who speak, but it is the breath of your father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a dad his own child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be deposed to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured until the end who will be saved. But who, but whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly, or amen, I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Jezreel until the Son of Man time comes. Amen. So a true preacher is one that should be moving along, moving along. These past five and a half years has been the longest I've ever stayed anywhere in my life, I think, to the best of my memory, to the best of my knowledge. Past five and a half years are the longest I have stayed anywhere in my entire life, to the best of my knowledge and memory, recollection. So it's time to move on. Amen. I feel like maybe even uh, out of this town, I feel like maybe even this town. Uh, expiration date expiration date has come I believe for this town it's not worthy this town is not worthy of the gospel amen as shown by the spiritual religious Babylonian leaders of this town having no respect for a ministry that helps the homeless so this town is not worthy of the gospel let's see what God does whether he keeps us here or not, but I feel like maybe it's time to move on to another town. We'll see. And it says in verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher or his master, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher, and the servant like his master. Amen. The job of a teacher or a master is to teach his students how to be more like himself. That's his job. Because the teacher, the master, has already reached a certain level of maturity, a certain level of knowledge, a certain level of understanding and wisdom, and ability so it's a mentorship is a it is a apprenticeship and he is, he is to teach you how to do without me amen it is my job to teach every one of you how to do without me and you can do it you can eventually not right now not right now amen uh, apprenticeship is years amen you don't have an apprenticeship just for one day one week one month three months six months no apprenticeship learning under a teacher take years and then and then 
you will be expected to run your own race and do without. Amen. That's my job. It's to teach you everything I know. Amen. Everything I know. And that takes a lot of time, a lot of effort. Amen. And it says, verse 25, is it enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the servant like his master? If they have called the head of the house, read it there in verse 25, if they have called the head of the house Beelzebul or demon-possessed, if they had called him demon, how much more the members of his household? Amen. Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that not be revealed or hidden that would not be known. So it's saying if they called Jesus and the prophets and the true leaders of the church, then you also will also be falsely accused as being lost. They will falsely accuse you of, of joining a cult. They will falsely accuse you of being brainwashed and deceived by me. But not only will they falsely accuse you of being deceived and part of a cult, but it always goes right back to me. It always goes right back to me. You are following. They say, they say, you are following a false teacher, a false prophet. So the attack on you goes back to me very often. Amen. And that is a military tactic of the enemy. Amen. A military tactic of the enemy is to always target the leaders. Amen. You can look at societies across the world, different civilizations, different cultures, different time eras, different centuries, and this has always been one of the number one military tactics. Shoot for the leader. Amen. If you take down the leader, you can take down the entire, entire nation, entire kingdom, entire church, whatever the situation is. Amen. So, the leaders of the true church lead in suffering and persecution. Yes, you will suffer for the truth because you accept the truth, the world will hate you. The Bible teaches you this. Amen. If you've not yet read it, keep reading it. Keep reading the Bible because the more you read the Bible, the more you, more you are going to start realizing, learning, and comprehending that the world is going to hate and persecute you simply because you love God, you love the truth, and you understand the Bible, and you have chosen to follow God in the truth. They will hate you for it, mock you, persecute you, but I lead in that. I lead in that. So there's nothing you can tell me, there's nothing you can tell me that I've not already experienced myself. Amen. Many people, when they first come into the church, 
they're amazed and honestly many people are shocked at how severely they are persecuted once they come into the truth. They, they're not expecting it. They're not expecting it. But you should expect it because the Bible promises it. And so many people, they're not expecting it and they come back with their stories and their testimonies and they're always like, this is what somebody said about me. Somebody said this. Somebody said this about me. Well, guess what? I hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. Amen. They've called me every name in the book. They've said I'm demon-possessed. I'm crazy. I'm insane. I'm a false prophet. I'm a false teacher. I'm going to hell. All these things, I've heard all that and more and more and more. So I'm not shocked. <clears throat> I'm not surprised when you are persecuted. Amen. The Bible said that you would be and also that I would be. Amen. Never follow a preacher that is not persecuted by Christians. Amen. Never follow a pastor or religious leader that is not persecuted by religious Babylonian pastors, religious Babylonian Christians, men and women and children. I'm even mocked and persecuted by little boys that think they are men and think they know more than I do, and think they're more holy than I am, and they're trying to work the responsibility and duty of an apostle when they don't even know the Bible yet. Matthew. People need to learn first. Amen. People need to learn first. The young man that is learning under his the in, in the apprenticeship is being mentored by the older man. The younger man should exercise restraint, self-control self-discipline and honor and respect the elders. Amen. Be willing to be taught. And your teachers and your mentors and your pastors are not going to be perfect. No, I do not claim to be perfect. But the Bible is clear that we must all strive for perfection. But I am not yet perfect. And if you are looking for a perfect pastor, Matthew, you're never going to find one. So you're just going to rebuke the next pastor and the next pastor and the next pastor and the next pastor. Because you're never going to find a perfect pastor.
but let us all continue to learn with all humbleness, humble ourselves under the instruction and teachings of the administration of the church. And finally, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians 11. Page 199. Page 199. 2 Corinthians 11, page 199, verse 16. God willing, we'll read through the rest of that chapter. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 16. Verse 16 says, again, I say, let no one think me foolish, but if you do, receive me even as foolish, so that I also may boast a little. What I'm saying, I'm not saying as the Lord would, but as in foolishness, in this confidence of boasting, since many boast according to the flesh, I will boast also. For you being so wise, tolerate the foolish gladly, if you tolerate it. If anyone enslaves you, if anyone devours you, anyone takes advantage of you, anyone exalts himself, anyone hits you in the face, to my shame I must say that we have been weak. That is by comparison, we have been weak. But in whatever respect anyone else is bold, I speak in foolishness. I am just as bold myself. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. In more than labors, in more imprisonment, beaten times without number, often in danger of death, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. He was back whipped five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, and night and day I have spent in the deep. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the desert, dangers on the sea, and dangers among false brethren. In labor and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and lacking much clothing. Apart from, much, apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the congregations of called out ones, the, the responsibility of being over the church. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my being concerned? If I have to boast, I will boast of what pertains to my weakness. The Theos and Father of the Lord Jesus, he is left forever, knows that I'm not lying. And Damascus, the governor under that person, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascians in order to seize me. And I was lit down in a basket through a window in the wall, and so escaped his hands. In other words, he's boasting also that he had to flee arrest 
The point is that the Apostle Paul led in suffering and persecution. He did not live an easy life. And a true minister of the true church will not lead an easy life. Amen. Now, this should encourage you because it helps you to identify that you are in the true church because you see my suffering. And also, if you suffer, I suffer even more. But when you look at somebody else's needs, when you look at somebody else's sufferings, it strengthens you. As I've said many times, think of the people in the nursing homes. If you have aches and pains, if you have sickness, if you have disease, if you have any kind of a physical health problem, think of people that have it much worse than you do because there's always somebody in much more pain and much more suffering and even much more persecution. Think of the brothers and sisters in Algeria where it's against the law to have a Bible. If they were to hold the Alpha and Omega Bible or any other Bible in their hand going down the street, they would be arrested. If the police knew or if the government knew where they, where they was having worship services, the whole church would come and be arrested. Think about this. Think about our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. Think about people that are trying to seek the Lord in China and Russia and Iran and Syria, Saudi Arabia, and such nations, Islamic nations and communist nations, where you're not allowed to have a Bible, where you're not allowed to use Jesus' name, where you're not allowed to have worship services, where you're not allowed the freedom of worship. We may suffer, but our suffering is nothing like Some of our other brothers and sisters are already enduring. And some of the other people that are going to be coming into the truth this year, how they are already suffering. I got an email just the other day from a man in one of the uh, old Soviet republic. Uh, old Soviet satellite nation. Remember the name of that? Pakistan or something like that? I know it's one Okay. Well, you said you said the name starts with T. That's only time one that started. Oh, you don't you don't know when it starts with T. Uh, so I'm I'm just going to say it's Pakistan, so that might be way off. But these old Soviet. Uh, satellite nations 
there are supposedly independent nations now, which they're really not, because the Soviet Union never collapsed. That's right. That's right. I had posted a long time ago about how really they just changed the name and how uh, your policies, your dictatorship, uh, your control over those uh, Soviet Republic nations, Soviet nations, how all of that still exists. They just made it undercover under a different name of a different uh, whatever organization, society, whatever, gave it a different name. That really, the Soviets, the communists, and the Nazis, the Muslims, they are never going to surrender. Amen. Amen. They never did, and they never will surrender. Even in the Bible, in the book of Revelation, it talks about even during the wrath of God, even during the final 41 and a half days, they still won't surrender. It says that even then they will not repent of their worship of stone, gold and silver and wood, or whatever else it says. Still won't. And even in the second life, second resurrection of a hundred years, some of those still won't get saved. Why? Because they are Nazis. They are Muslims. They are communists. I am confident that uh, many Christians of Babylon will be saved, but a lower number of the Muslims and Nazis communists because it's so much part of their being, so much part of who they are, to love to murder, to love to behead people, to love to kill people, to burn them alive, and torture people and all that's wicked that's wicked and it's that type of people that won't depend second resurrection but but your typical average person many of those would be said many 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 people the bible describes innumerable amount of people that will be saved amen where are we come on the winds are blowing on my pages, so um, okay, I already read all that. I read that entire thing. So the apostle Paul led in suffering and persecution. So if you've heard it, I've heard it. Don't think I haven't. Okay, I'm being persecuted uh, just as much and more so. They always aim for the leaders. Consider also John the Baptizer, who also uh, was beheaded and arrested and also the fate of the other biblical prophets and apostles. Almost all the prophets and disciples, uh, apostles and prophets, uh, mostly all of them were arrested and martyred. And then finally, church leaders suffering poverty or homelessness does not automatically equal judgment or condemnation from God or punishment or the consequences of sin, but rather sometimes it is a positive indication of a true leader of the true church. Remember Job. I'm confident that there is somebody out there pointing the finger, saying, look at Apostle Zimmerman, 
how right now he is suffering. He must have done some great sin. God is judging him. God is getting him back. God is seeking revenge against the prophet's him for whatever reason, because he kicked me out of the church, because he offended me, because he insulted me, whatever, whatever, whatever. And the truth is, when you look at, in the Bible, at Job, and at Paul, and at Jesus, and all the apostles, and all the prophets, they all suffered. They all suffered and led in persecution, in mockings, in beatings, they all led in suffering and persecution. Amen? So, a church leader suffering does not automatically equal judgment from God. Remember Job. Okay. I thank you for listening. And I trust and I know that you'll keep us in prayer throughout the week. We'll meet back here next uh, seventh day and I hope to maybe even do a very small miniature video of this topic later today. Uh, I do want to start doing uh, many more videos try to get people that are not really following the ministry all the way like they should be Maybe they're just uh, subscribed to my YouTube channel. And if I keep uploading, keep uploading, start uploading not only prophecy, but basic teachings, that maybe they will be fed enough spiritually to get them more interested in the true ministry, the true gospel, what the truth is, and be more involved in the church as a Christian ought to be involved in the work of God, not just be an audience. I'm not seeking an audience. Okay? You should not be just an audience. But rather, I am seeking active participants of the kingdom. Active citizens of the kingdom. A citizen of the kingdom should be an active citizen of the kingdom of God. And that is what we are seeking one by one. So I hope, and that's not a promise, but I hope that just a five-minute video, five-ten-minute video of a condensed version of this sermon up on the video channels today, not just YouTube, but BitChute, BitChute are the primary, BitChute is our primary video outlet. And then also, any video we make needs to be added to the website, also the video, including the one other day. we got to add that one. It's hot. But not as hot as it is in Jamaica and Australia. When I suffer this heat, I have got to remind myself. I have got to think. Yes, it's hot. But it's not as hot as it is way down there in Jamaica and Cuba. Also, Brother Richard in Cuba prayed for Brother Richard in Cuba. He suffers a lot of Christians. And way down yonder in Oz, the land of Oz, they call it in Australia, Sister Kiki. Amen. Oh, okay.
You got to get out of this heat. All right. God bless you, everyone. I'll see you all next week. Change for an hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.